You're listening to the free edition of Sweden in Focus from The Local. If you would like to listen to a full-length version of the podcast, as well as an additional midweek episode, please check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade to Membership Plus. Here's this week's free edition. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to this special election edition of Sweden in Focus, the Locals News and Analysis podcast. We're recording this episode on Monday the 12th of September, the morning after the night before, and we're waking up to a new political landscape in Sweden. Not all the votes have been counted yet, but there are a few things we can be sure of. The far-right Sweden Democrats took more than 20% of the votes and are now Sweden's second largest party. Both parties that were polling at well under the 4% threshold for entry to the Riksdag just a few short months ago, the Liberals and the Greens, have got enough votes to stay in Parliament. The ruling Social Democrats have done much better than four years ago, but most likely will not be able to continue in government. Instead, and I stress that this is all still very preliminary, as things stand, the most likely next Prime Minister of Sweden will be the moderate party's Ulf Kristersson. I'm Paul Amani, and with me to discuss all this, I have Becky Waterton and Richard Orange. And while things were pretty stressful last night and we were all attending different election night parties, we did finally manage to meet in the flesh, which was brilliant. Richard and I had only met once before, eight years ago, in a very cold Berlin. And it was my first time meeting Becky, which is just bizarre, given how regularly we chat for this podcast. And very nice it was, too. How are you both this morning? Tired. A bit bleary-eyed. <laughs> my brain is functioning <laughs> at 50% capacity, mm. if not lower. What time did you get to bed last night? I think I got into bed around two, but I, uh, my brain was just racing. You know, you can't really just suddenly switch off. So I, I don't know when I actually fell asleep. I think it was about two for me as well. I think I think on, on our chat, we signed off around two. But then I woke up at sort of four o'clock in the morning and couldn't help getting my, firing my computer off and checking the results again. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, and then there's some kind of TV came on at six o'clock in my room. Yeah. Remind us uh, where you both were for most of the night. Becky, where were you? I was at the Social Democrats with uh, a lot of other media, like a lot of familiar faces. How about you, Richard? I was at the Moderates the whole night. The person who came down was the party. General Secretary Gunnar Strömer, and he sort of he's a very bumptious, good fellow, well met. So he's a sort of booster. So he was like saying, No, everything's absolute. And we got an interview with him, and he was saying, No, it's not so bad as it looks when the exit poll came out. I mean, it was quite fun when the first TV4 exit poll came out, which put the moderates to something like 16%. And yeah. then after that, after that, somebody in the bar shouted, like, Spreet! <laughs> and, uh, and everybody laughed. Spreet means spirits alcohol liquor yeah. you know so they were yeah. calling for li- they were calling for liquor when the tv4 exit poll came out and then as the evening went on and then Gunnar Stromer came out and he said no no we've seen this before and it's still easily within the bounds of possibility yeah. this is actually not that bad a result we are still very confident that we can swing this and then as the night went on he actually was 
increasingly seemed to be justified and that the atmosphere in the room got more and more positive and there were whoops of laughter everyone got a bit drunker mm. and it really you got this kind of almost hysterical sense of expectation and optimism and you really felt the mood pick up amongst the activists yeah and james uh, james is in a meeting this morning and isn't able to join us richard you you managed to speak to some voters in malmo before you left for stockholm yesterday before you popped on the train i did very briefly yeah i sort of went to my local val polling station when it opened at eight o'clock and chatted to some of the people going in to vote and also some of the party activists and mps waiting outside sort of trying to swing their decision i spoke to mama dujalo who's one of the people who waved the pkk flag he's an mp from malmo for the venster party uh, the left party for, for the left party and he, he he's been quite big in the Afro Svenska for Enning. I think he's a sort of a campaigner for Afro Swedes. And he was also uh, one of the three left party MPs that waved this PKK flag in Almadalen. But I spoke to him and he said the campaign had gone, he thought, really well. And he felt his party was energised with Lucy Dagestar, who is you know, really popular, among, especially amongst mm. Venster left party activists, but also sort of more broadly. And he thinks, you know, the party's new tougher, tougher stance with the Social Democrats is really paying off. Well, not, is, not, is she really popular? Because they went down in the polls. Well, exactly, yeah. exactly. That that confidence it maybe turned out to be misplaced because they did not get the result that they were hoping for. It's been amazing. Um, we we have been um, uh, welcome in different parts of the, the country and we have a new party leader, Nusi, who has really... Um, a lot of people have shown a lot of love for her and, and, and the policies that she's, she's pushing through. But most importantly, because um, the left party now and the left party before her have shown um, a, a different attitude. We used to be seen as, you know, uh, people that would basically accept whatever the Social Democrats mm -hmm. would do. Um, and lately, the past four, eight years, we've shown the opposite. We've really been pushing for our own policies, mm -hmm. you know, uh, policies that are more to the left than the centre, right? Mm -hmm. Which the Social Democrats have been doing. They've been pushing for more policies that are more right, centre right, mm -hmm. and that is not our policy. So we've been standing really strong against that kind of policy direction that the Social Democrats have been showing. And we've proven over and over again, especially the last four years, where we, we've gone um, um, head to head with Social Democrats and, and, and really won against them because they need us to be able to push their policies. And we've really done everything to stop any centre-right policies that are you know, devastating or would prove to be devastating for a lot of people that live in this country, especially poor and working class people. So what's going to happen between the parties after the election if, if the left side get the advantage? Yeah, that means simply that we would see more progressive policies. We would see more policies that would benefit everybody, not only the, um, the, the billionaire class and the rich people, but we would have policies that would benefit everybody that lives in this country, regardless of your class, regardless of your nationality, origin, um, and, and so on, background. It's important that we have policies. This is a rich country, mm -hmm. and it's important that the resources that we have um, um, are distributed equally so that everybody can have access to those resources. And you also and you also spoke to a first-time voter called Juan Ocampo? Yes, I spoke to Juan Ocampo, who was from Chile. It's his first time voting, and he wouldn't 
be drawn really on which side he was. And he, one thing that I found a lot, not just here, but also talking to voters in Rosengall, which is a heavily immigrant part of, of Malmo, is that a lot of the first-time voters, for them, the fact that they're able to vote is, is more significant than, you know, the who's up and who's down in the political situation. For them, it's, uh, it's you know, really exciting that they're getting to have a say. And, I mean, they were saying they trusted Sweden's democratic system and, and, and it didn't matter who won because the country is a well-functioning country compared to... Um, Somalia, where you might come from, or, or Syria, you know, it's, 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 it, it, they have faith in Swedish democracy to an extent that maybe people in Sweden don't when we're sort of worried about the Sweden Democrats dragging the country down towards a sort of populist direction. This is the first time I vote in Sweden, and I think it's important uh, to make use of that right, uh, to be part of the society and, you know, yeah. And how do you find the, the, the sort of democratic system in Sweden and the voting and how it works? Uh, I found it uh, interesting. It's a bit different from where I am. So it's a bit uh, trying to get around uh, how it works and uh, you know, the different uh, um, you know, part um, instances where you can uh, get engaged with and the different uh, topics that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. So that that's, has been very you know, uh, interesting to find out about. And this campaign's been a lot about immigration and crime, and you know it's been quite a dark campaign. I mean, how, how, how have you been following it on the on the media? And yeah, I think it has been different topics. So there has been energy as well. Energy is a big topic as well. Uh, there has been uh, the different things as well, like immigration, of course, is one of them. Uh, it, but I think it's part of what uh, it has to be decided as a, as a, as a society, no? If it, it has to be a better uh, social health care, what should we do to get better health care? Uh, those type of topics are import, important for whole society, and I think it's, it, it is part of the discussion we have to have. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been quite a healthy election, really, in some ways. Well, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but it's democracy. And democracy is about discussion and, and trying to get the, the topics that you think are relevant to, to the head of the top of mind. Then uh, what you think or not, uh, then it's a bit uh, tricky. And there is parties, of course, that will use uh, po poly politics in different ways, in ways mm -hmm. that maybe are not the best. But there are some that try to stand for what they think. And that's I think it's important. The biggest story on election night was the Sweden Democrats surpassing the moderates as Sweden's second largest party. How significant is that? I mean, it's significant. I mean, I, I was at the Social Democrats who are the moderates, kind of traditional rivals. Yeah. When I got um, an interview with the energy minister, Kashaya Famamba, he was, I specifically said, how does it feel that your kind of traditional rivals have been overtaken by the, the Sweden Democrats? And he was like, it's horrible. Like, they, it, there was absolutely no schadenfreude that the moderates had been knocked into third place. Great, yeah, let's, let's listen to some of that interview now. In, in many ways, it was expected, but it's horrible. I mean, we knew, even, even since, the, since the 30s, we knew from the experiences in, in other countries in Europe, uh, recent experiences in Poland or, or Hungary, that every time that the regular right-wing parties uh, start to accept or to, to embrace extreme right parties, they will lose and the extreme right will win. Uh, and that's what we're seeing now in the polls. You've also had some critique, your party, for kind of adopting slightly more hard on immigrants rhetoric. Do you yeah, think I mean, that's benefited you in this election? Or? I, I'm not sure about that. And, uh, I mean, what we have done, it's, it's very easy to say that, but what we have done is to, um, to adapt to what we've seen in the rest of Europe. 
in the rest of Europe after the 2014 and 50, the, the, the crisis in Syria, the war in Syria, the rest of Europe closed up. Sweden and Germany were basically the only countries accepting refugees and immigrants coming here seeking peace and, uh, and, and uh, refuge. Uh, and I think it's really, ex uh, really important to say to the rest of Europe, everybody has to be part of this. Uh, and Richard, you spoke to Nicholas Aylott, uh, Associate Professor in Politics at Stockholm's Södertörn University, about whether the moderates had been right to seek the support of the Sweden Democrats. Let's hear what he had to say on that. It is not easy to predict the effect of any particular strategy by mainstream parties on the development of, of, of a party like the Sweden Democrats. I mean, the, the received wisdom is that... Uh, if if other mainstream parties do try to mimic their message and and uh, try to cut off the supply of voters to them by by sort of offering similar policies, then that that might uh, that might weaken them, and that that does seem to be what happened in in Denmark. But the big danger in that is, of course, that uh, if you move yourself closer to their position, if you sound friendlier towards them, then you legitimise them. Mm. And the moderates, I think, from, from looking at uh, the, the data on the exit poll this evening, it does look as if the moderates have lost votes in both directions. They've lost, lost votes among some supporters who, are, who, who can't, can't stomach the uh, closer association with the Sweden Democrats. But they've also lost votes, other votes, to the Sweden Democrats themselves, perhaps because having cozied up to them, they legitimised them. Uh, and thus made it a smaller step uh, for, for voters to, to move from the moderates to the Sweden Democrats. We interviewed Nicholas Aylott when it was looking like the Social Democrat side was going to win. Uh, what else did you get from, from him, Richard, that you thought was interesting? I think what I found interesting is, one, he is of the opinion that doesn't matter whether the uh, strategy of cooperating with the Sweden Democrats is successful or not, he doesn't think that the party had any other choice. It was either that or be in opposition forever. <laughs> so it's the only way they mm. could possibly get into power, short of managing to... Of, being a support party for the Social Democrats, which they're not going to do. So it's easy to criticise him, but but what else could they do? So that, that was an interesting point of view. And he was also scathing about the Social Democrats and the campaign that they've run. I was interested that he sees the party of having been in a complete ideological stagnation and stasis for, for eight years. And that's why there's, there were, you know, their policy platform for this election was pretty much non-existent. And whenever the moderates came up with a policy proposal, they just said, well, we agree, we'll do the same thing. They didn't seem to have any, apart from stopping schools being able to withdraw profits, which no one thinks they can probably get through anyway, because the Centre Party will oppose it. They don't really have any strong policy proposals in this election. And they, they fought the election entirely on the personality of Magdalena Anderson, who is someone who's never been who hasn't been tested in an election. I wouldn't say that Magdalene Anderson has necessarily done badly in this election. It's not that the Social Democrats got a horrific result. Mm. Weirdly, the Social Democrats have had a great result, but can't maybe won't be in government, and the moderates have had a terrible result, and maybe they will be in government. But then That's why, kind of the big, the but then big... why didn't they do more to help the Green Party or the Left Party? 
You know, they've well, been they entirely but... unhelpful to the Green Party. They haven't come out and supported them when the, the Green I Party think... was under a massive attack on social media. I think you know, they the, have... left, the right parties really tried to drive them under the spa and the Social Democrats didn't want to touch it because they didn't want to be tarred with the same brush. I think they have helped yeah. them by not talking about the environment because people still care about the environment and environmental issues. And I think one of the ways in which the Social Democrats have helped the Greens is by not covering that issue at all. So... They've made it so that if you care about the environment, you vote for the green. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Party. Let's talk about the Greens because they were in real trouble uh, not so long ago. Both they and the Liberals were polling sort of close to 2%. And when the first exit polls came through last night, the Greens were delirious because it initially looked like they were going to get close to 6%. I think they've ended up at five um, as the as the counting stands at the moment. But, you know, how, how happy are they, do you think? I mean, this is a great result for them. And you could hear that in the in the party leader speeches when Matt Stainavi and Pebble and the, the co-leaders of the Green Party, they were they were just... So all of the pictures from the Green Party, I think every journalist wanted to be at their election party because it was just... They were all having so much fun. Like, every single time the cameras cut to them, it was just people dancing on the dance floor. Yeah, well, was But that fun. was all the small parties. I mean, that's the thing. I felt like being at the moderates was a bit boring because oh, everyone's kind of yeah. standing there and, and checking their phones for the results and stuff and being really geeky. Whereas if you then, you'd like, on SVT, they would show you, like, the Liberal Party. Yeah, it's a sort of... It's a complete... Johan Persson, who got a worse <laughs> result than they did in the last election, who is proclaiming it their party's big comeback we've done so well we're amazing it's like you've 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 actually got a worse result than you did four years ago and like you're yeah, you made it into Parliament, but I don't know if you can say this is the massive win you think it is. I mean, with the Green Party, one of the funny, funnier the sort of little moments in the election was when Per Bolland, one of their two leaders, went to vote. And he said, well, you know, how did it go? And he went, well, it went great. You know, at least we got one vote, <laughs> you know, because they were expecting such a dismal performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean on, what was the Swedish? Friday... Have you got the Swedish that he said? What was it? It was kind of, I mean... But risky I mean, to make I mean, a joke about. Maybe he had a sense that they would do better than expected. I mean, on Friday, he sent an email out to all Green Party members saying, please, can you send us some money? We might not make it into Parliament. Because I think they were, the polls had them on 4.8 on Friday, which is kind of with the with the margin of error that could have put them under the limit. So they were pretty desperate on Friday. Mm. So I think it was going from this kind of desperate situation where they thought they might not even get into Parliament to, oh my God, we've got into Parliament and we've done better than last year. Let's all get drunk and dance to girls just want to have fun. Like mm. as you said, the the Liberals were the other party in that situation. And I was at their um, their party at the start of the night when the exit polls came through and um yeah, they were pretty happy about it. And the angle they were running with last night was the story of a party back from the brink. You know, they were down at two percent just a few months ago. They switched their party leader. He went up quite a lot in the polls, but then as the election drew closer, he started to 
he started to go back towards four percent. So then, when the, when the second exit poll came through uh, and it confirmed that they 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 were going to stay in Parliament, a big message appeared on the big screen that proclaimed the Liberals' fantastic comeback. And they're the party with the worst result in this election, it's looking like, but they were just happy happy to Mm -hmm. still be at the party. Exactly. And I spoke to their gender equality spokeswoman and MP, uh, Gulan Avci, about their cooperation with the moderates, Christian Democrats, and leaning on Sweden Democrat support in an eventual government. And I asked her what she says to people who accuse the Liberals of abandoning their liberal principles. They should be ashamed tonight, especially the ministers of this government that have been ruling Sweden, because we have so many urgent problems to solve in Sweden. And um, they had a campaign toward our party, and they have been lying about us, uh, and and, uh, not been talking about their own agenda, because they know that for six months ago, they thought that we were going to leave the parliament, that it would be a really easy trip for them to continue to have power. But now, with, with our new party leader, Johan Persson, we are back in the game. And, and the Social Democrats know that the Liberals are the ones that can tip point the, 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 the power. Uh, and, and, you know, so, so we have a governmental change. So that, that's how you should see this campaign against us. Do either of you buy that, that the Liberals are the victims of a like Social Democrat smear campaign? I don't know if you can call it a smear campaign when the Social Democrats are accusing them of working with the far right and what they're doing is working with the far right. Like, Is that a smear campaign or is that just like a legitimate, a legitimate argument? You can't just, if someone says you do, you've done something bad, you can't just say, oh, what's this smear campaign against me? How dare you mention all the bad things I've done? It's like, no, that's just kind of a... A valid criticism. Although, although they've always said that they will be the kind of moral policeman of this new bloc. And if the election turns out as it looks, that there's only a one seat majority, they will have that decisive vote through the entire mandate period. Mm. So the, the, the right wing bloc won't be able to get a budget through. They won't be able to pass any legislation unless the, the liberals say yes. So I think that does give them the power to maybe keep them on the right side of sort of to, to, to stop to stop them really going as far as the Sweden Democrats might want to. What do you think Magdalene Andersson will will do now? Will she resign or will she think that she can form a government somehow? Yeah, so I guess we should probably go over what, what the situation, like what the kind of possibilities are now. Either Magdalene Andersson stays on and tries to form a government and then she, she either does and she stays on as the prime, as the prime minister or she doesn't and then they go into this kind of Rierings building where we I think everyone who was around in November will probably remember this where the speaker Talman he'll uh, he'll kind of so there's a question is he going to talk to the moderates because they're kind of I don't know we don't know who he's going to talk to but he's either going to talk to the moderates or the Sweden Democrats probably the moderates there's no chance he'll talk to Sweden Democrats I don't know because no, he's, no, he's no said chance. he's said before that his policy is to talk to the biggest party in that block mm. he said that mm. again he also has to speak to the party who he thinks has the best chance of forming a government. And under that kind of argument, you would say, OK, well, the moderates, because there's multiple parties that have said they don't want the Sweden Democrats in government. I, I like, in that block, they've said that they want Christian Democrats, moderates and liberals, and then Sweden Democrats outside. Basically, either Magdalena Andersson stays on as prime minister and 
she keeps her government, everyone votes her in, that's fine. Or she doesn't, and then we go into this process of starting a new government. So there's a possibility that she can step down and then they'll do that automatically, or she'll try and form a government and then that will fail and then they'll have to go through the process. Mm. I mean, when she had her utfrågning or when she was sort of quizzed on SVT, she indicated that she might try to win the Liberals back over, didn't she? She's been, yeah, I, I, I asked some Liberals about this at one of the Valsdugo and they said that she was just... It was just a way of trying to split the party, which is so split about, which is already rip, the, the, the sort of fault line in Swedish politics runs straight through the Liberal Party. And it's, it's it, the whole party is like in, in a sort of, is kind of recovering slightly from, from a crisis. And so she's trying to aggravate that and feed the parts of the party that would rather switch sides again. And then it would be really interesting how the Social Democrats, the relationship between the Social Democrats and the Sweden Democrats, because they're both going to be, if you assume the Sweden Democrats don't actually join the government, they'll both be outside of the government and they will have common cause on a whole range of issues around Arcasa, preventing tax cuts, you know, giving money to nurses and stuff yeah, like that. Like and, economically left. And, and so will you see the Social Democrats start to work more closely with the Sweden Democrats? And uh, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how the, how the kind of spheres realign mm. uh, with a new government. We should, we should stress that, you know, when we went to bed last night, the right bloc was in a three-seat lead and now it's down to one seat. I mean, it's extraordinarily close still. It all depends on the, the votes of Swedes living abroad as well because they're all going to get counted on. So, so the reason it's waiting, everyone's saying it's going to be to Wednesday and not like today is because they have to count some votes that were voters who voted in advance. They'll be counted on Wednesday or they'll be ready by Wednesday and also the votes of Swedes abroad. A big question mark will be, are the sort of internationalist Swedes who live abroad, how would they react to the cooperation yeah. with the Sweden Democrats? Yeah, you might have a you might have a foreign partner. You might be worried if you're going to be able to bring your partner into Sweden. All the rules there, I think. Yeah. You might find they all switch to the centre party, and uh... <laughs> yeah, it's it's all to play for. It's possible. One party we haven't really talked about is the the Christian Democrats. And I was sort of running around from election party to election party last night, and I turned up at the uh, Christian Democrats party when they were in a kind of a glum mood. People were just sitting down watching TV. It was like just hundreds of people sitting down watching TV and sort of looking at their own results which wasn't very good i think they were at like 5.4 percent which is much worse than than last time around as i was there it flashed up on the tv that suddenly the the right was in the lead and the mood changed completely suddenly they were on their feet the dj started playing old swedish eurovision song contest classics and everybody was singing along and um, suddenly they were a very happy bunch indeed so it was just it just showed how how quickly things were swinging last night this is the thing, like all the parties that have had a great result have lost, apart from the Sweden Democrats who have had a great result and might be in government. But like the, the big winners are the Sweden Democrats, the Social Democrats and the Greens, two of which are going to be in opposition probably. Yeah. Right. And then the big losers, the Liberals and the Moderates and Christian Democrats who might end up in government. It's like, your, it's like, it's like, it's like your ABBA, your ABBA, Swedish politics yeah. through ABBA, which was the... Waterloo, when... I feel like I win when I lose. Accepting, yeah. Like, literally, all the winners are losers and all the losers are winners. Nothing makes sense. Okay, James is back from his meeting. It's a little bit later in the day now, a few hours later. And I just wanted to ask you, James, uh, now that it's looking most likely that Ulf Christensen will be the one tasked to form a government, who is he and what would a a government led by Ulf Christensen's moderates look like? Well, it's interesting because if you look back at Ulf Christoschon, he was 
once really on the liberal side of the moderates. He was, compared to Frederick Reinfeldt, who was his contemporary and his big rival, he was the guy on the liberal side. And Frederick Reinfeldt, back when they were student politicians, was on the was 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 kind of the one further to the right. But 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 what's happened since then is that the the situation that Ulf Christian has found himself in and that the moderates have found themselves in has meant that he has now sort of by default ended up in a in a position where he's he's all about law and order um restricting immigration and um you know not really giving a particularly liberal impression of himself at all so you know who is the real of christian i think the real of christian is a politician who has focused on taking his party back to power by whatever means necessary. And I think the party has concluded that it had two options. One was to work in the middle of Swedish politics, that's to say to work with the Social Democrats, and it quickly ruled out that possibility on the basis that its whole reason for existing as a party is to oppose the Social Democrats. And that left them, given the rise of the Sweden Democrats, that left them with the one option left, which was working with the Sweden Democrats, which meant formulating a more conservative migration policy, focusing in on issues around law and order and, and integration and immigration. And it's from that position that he's effectively going to have to govern if indeed he succeeds in forming a government with the Sweden Democrats, the Christian Democrats and the Liberals. I just saw on the news that um, Jimmy Okerson has been to the moderates' offices for lunch. What do you think they're, they're talking <laughs> about today? Yeah, well, I've, obviously one of the big talking points is going to be whether any government actually includes the Sweden Democrats. Now, on the face of it, it, it should. The Sweden Democrats are a are actually a, now a slightly bigger party than the moderates. But there's been reluctance on the part of the moderates and on the part of the liberals and to an extent on the part of the Christian Democrats to, to accept the idea of the, of, of the Sweden Democrats actually sitting in government, having ministers in the government. Um, but clearly, you know, the, the, the Sweden Democrats, at least outwardly, say that that's their preference. They've also said it's not a, an absolute requirement. But what they've also said is that if they don't sit in the government, they will want to extract a price for that. So I imagine that the initial conversation has been about, well, government positions and that price. What political gains will the Sweden Democrats demand in order to drop their demand to sitting in government? I don't think I've ever seen Sweden as polarised and divided as it is today. People, A lot of people are very upset about a party with its roots in the neo-Nazi movement becoming as big as they are now. What can Ulf Christensen do to address that? Or does he, do you think he cares? It's funny, isn't it? I mean, certainly, you know, I know plenty of people who are lifelong moderate voters who are really upset by this. It's not just people on the left. It's people from all walks of life, from all different, from all, of all political persuasions or many political persuasions um, who find the, the idea of the Sweden Democrats being so close to government um, to be really troubling. But obviously, you know, let's not forget that there are a lot of people for whom this is their preferred outcome. 
Um, not just voters of the Sweden Democrats, but people who voted for you know all those parties, the fifty percent voters who voted for those parties on the right, at some level think this is their you know preferred outcome. It, it might not be their ideal outcome, but if of the, of the outcomes available, this was their preferred outcome. So you know that's kind of that's kind of democracy, and that that's the way the, the that's the way the, the the cookie has crumbled this time. So. This is not going to be a government where the, where the Sweden Democrats can just make whatever demands they like and have them acceded to by the moderates and the liberals. And certainly with the liberals being you know, much further out towards the centre of politics, they do have a, um, the potential to, to put the brakes on the Sweden Democrats to, to some extent. On that note, let's leave this special election edition of Sweden in Focus. And our Sweden in Focus podcast is free to listen to, but it's made possible by readers becoming members of the local Sweden. And thank you to all our new members who've joined in the last few days. It allows us to keep doing this. And if you'd like to join, you can support us by subscribing at a reduced rate for podcast listeners at thelocal.se forward slash podcast offer. You'd also be giving us a helping hand to promote the podcast and bring us to new listeners if you take a moment to rate Sweden in Focus, whether on Spotify or Apple or Google Podcasts. Thanks very much for listening. I'm Paul Amani and I've been joined in Stockholm unusually by Becky Waterton and Richard Orange and we'll be back again on Saturday. Until then, take care. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. That's all for this week's free edition of Sweden in Focus. If you'd like to hear a full-length version of the podcast each week, as well as an additional midweek episode with more interviews and analysis, please upgrade to Membership Plus. Make sure to check the episode notes for details on how to upgrade. Sweden in Focus is a podcast by The Local Europe. Our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. The publisher is James Savage.